It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You're listening to the Urban Sports Scene with Wole and the homie Ray Jeezy. And we are part of Amp Pyramia. That's amppyramia.com. The homie Will T is out. What's going on, Ray? Another Wednesday, brother. What's good? Second time on StreamYard. Hey, it's a new platform for the Urban Sports Scene. But you know, you see us everywhere. And we're going to continue to move. Like I said, jump on the train now, baby. This ship is going. <laughs> it's a rocket I mean, ship, baby. It's a rocket yeah, ship. Yeah. To the moon, bro. To the moon. <laughs> hey, man, I mentioned Empire Media. Empire Media hosts multiple DMV sports podcast shows, such as the John Kime Report, hosted by ESPN Washington Commanders insider John Kime, and Jones Football, hosted by USA Today insider Mike Jones. Hey, subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, and Google Podcasts. Just search the urban sports scene. Oh, right. You ain't doing it. I got this. Man, I got this. I, I'll take care of this. Hey. hey, make sure you subscribe to the Urban Sports Team YouTube channel as well. Hit the red subscribe button. My boy Ray is, I, I'm, I'm making a hard for you, Ray. I apologize. And Not like bad. this video, man. Like this video as well. Hey, also, <laughs> this show can be found on the podcast DC uh, app, lo lo uh, the local app with hundreds of options in the local in local news and health in the DMV region. Download the podcast DC app to hear all of the Empire shows as well as other great content. And don't forget to tweet us at Urban Sports Scene. Hit us up on IG at Urban Sports Scene and check out our Urban Sports Scene Facebook page. Love it, man. There you go, Ray. You're back on, <laughs> you're back on stride now. Also, join our Urban Sports Scene Facebook group. Search Urban Sports Scene, sports bloggers, sports podcasters, and sports debates. Hey, check out our <laughs> weekly NFL fix uh, on the Football Garbage Time website. Just go to www.footballgarbagetime.com. It is part of the Urban Sports Scene Football Garbage Time Pick'em Challenge. All right, yes, we'll, we'll see what normally say, but he's not in the building. But I'll say it. Let's get into our tradition, the pregame. Here's what we have on tap. We'll chat with Tony McGee's Pro Football Plus Washington Commanders reporter Donna Hopkins about the Commanders' season opening win over the Arizona Cardinals and their upcoming game against the Denver Broncos. Then at 8.30, we'll talk about the Washington, the Washington Mystics' first-round matchup against the New York Liberty in the, in the WNBA playoffs. Uh, the next Liberty beat reporter, Jackie Powell, will join us to talk about that series. And then finally, we'll debate whether Morgan State is the second best football team in Baltimore. Morgan State play-by-play -play personality Lamont Germany will join us for this segment. But right now, I'm going to patch her in. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to patch her in. Right now, we have Donna Hopkins. Like I mentioned, Donna Hopkins is, is, also, is the Washington Commanders reporter for Tony, Tony McGee's Pro Football Plus. Donna, what is going on? Hey, you know what? 
I'm backstage and I was listening to you two guys cut up <laughs> you and Ray. I was like, they already having fun. <laughs> yeah, it's like, my fault. I, I said, I thought we was on a sports show. It feels like a party. <laughs> Donnie, you know how oh, we yeah. are. <laughs> it's always a party, Donna. But you know, I, I kind of messed up to start today's show, so I'm the reason for the fun because I'm, I'm making I'm making mistakes. Mole is going to pull me out the game soon. <laughs> I, I will never so, do that. Like right. Antonio he's Gibson. Getting ready to bench you, Ray. Is that what you're saying? He's getting ready to bench you. I'm like Antonio Gibson. I fumble. I fumble too much, man. <laughs> Oh, you had to go there. You see, you see how, how you go, Donna? You, you see how you going early? Look at him. Look I like him. AG. I like AG though. No I mean, cool. Just gotta hold the ball. But Donna Ray, <laughs> Ray is talking about you know the game that we we saw on Sunday in a sold out um, season over at FedEx Field. The Commanders defeated the Cardinals twenty to sixteen. Many thought this would be a blowout. I was one of them, uh, but it wasn't. Where uh, are your thoughts on the vi- on the victory? Oh, you thought it was going to be a blowout? I did. I was wrong. I don't know. I, look, look, you need to wake up and stop drinking that Kool Aid. I know, Donna. You're right. It was a fight to get this win. I, know. Um, I mean, when you go back and look at the win, let's just talk about the, the sellout first time in like 20 plus some years. And if you were there at FedEx Stadium, uh, it was rocking to see that stadium at a wide view. If you had a wide angle, mm-hmm. you would have really enjoyed seeing that crowd. It was just packed in there. And as the player said, that 12th man, Helped them in the end as far as pull out that victory. Mm. But when you go back and look at the game overall, let's get into the meat of it. Uh, that offense. You can't put no sugar in it on it. You can't <laughs> sprinkle it any way. That offense did not look good. And when mm. I look at training camp, I look at preseason. Nobody cares about wins in preseason. But I guess as Ron Rivera said that it was good that they did win in preseason because that was a starting point. But those games don't count. So the offense, like I said, you can't sprinkle any sugar on it. They just did not look good. Offensive line was an area that we talked about over and over going into the season. They tried to give us hope to say this offensive line is better than what it was. But I did not see that on Sunday. And then Sam, he did not look good at all. But Mm. he did rally the team in the second half. But overall, he cannot hold on to the ball that long. I mean, some of the sacks that was created, it was by him. A lot of them were by him, and then some by the offensive line. So when you look at the running game, running game did not get going either. Everybody is saying, what's wrong with Brian Robinson? Well, he's still adjusting to EB's offense. And like you said already, so you wanted to call Tony Antonio Brown out uh, by putting the ball on the carpet. This team cannot afford to have those hiccups as they did, you know, on Sunday. Yeah, that, that's, I guess, for me, I thought, like, the offense looked solid until that fumble with Antonio Gibson to a point where, you know, they had some momentum. Uh, I think there was 7-6. They were driving. They were in the red zone. I want to say, like, the 15, 10-yard line, something like that. And he fumbles the football. And, you know, and then that changed the whole, you know, to me, it changed the trajectory of the game of having, like, an easier victory to a point where now it's a game of, all right, same old Washington, you're going, to, you're going to have another nail-biter. If you're going to win a game, it's going to be a nail-biter. Not going hey, to be hey, a Wally, Wally, let me just stop you. Yeah, uh, the, easy, the easy game was Dallas blowing out the New York Giants 40 to 0. Don, Don we don't this mention that. Why, why you want to mention that team, Don? Why are you going this, to do that? <laughs> we, we talk about easy. That This was not going to be an easy game. I think 
everybody was expecting this Washington team to go and blow out the Cardinals mm -hmm. just because you were drinking the Kool-Aid that the Cardinals was a team that was going to finish in the bottom. Murray was not there. Mm -hmm. So everybody, not, I'm not talking about the team, but other people basically took yeah, this true. Cardinals team life. Their defense is not bad. Um, but but again, everybody drunk that Kool-Aid and it was a dog fight fight for this commander team to get this win. Now, the defensive side of the ball, they were smoking and mm -hmm. Montez Sweat. This is a guy that was just turned it up, the heat up. I mean, all the things that we've been talking about as far as Sweat staying healthy and, you know, he's in his contract year. Let me tell you, he's playing what, like Deron Payne did last year in his mm -hmm. contract year because this guy turned it up. When the defense needed to turn it up another two notches in the fourth quarter, they did that with Payne, with Allen, with Sweat. You, you saw them go to another level, but that wasn't a concern as far as the defensive side of the ball. It was always going to be the offense. Now, this is one game, one mm -hmm. game, everybody. Let's not jump off the cliff. <laughs> but the thing about it is, it's one game that we did not see an improvement on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> see, Donna, the press box I see hasn't changed. FedEx may have looked different for the first game, <laughs> but, but you're still keeping that same energy. I love it. Now, what's crazy is this, Donna. You described how that stadium atmosphere was. How did the team come out? sort of flat in terms of energy i feel like they should have came out and just in my opinion they should have put the cardinals away early that's what Wole wanted that's what lake wanted many of that we talked to is like hit that deliver that knockout blow early and they didn't do it so were they looking past this team based on what you said like the cardinals are taking the narrative surrounding the cardinals mm -hmm. that vibe for the team i said the fans were the, the people outside the organization it was not it was not the team that took i think the cardinals life mm -hmm. because i think that every i think everybody is looking at this wrong as as far as that goes because it was not the team that took it light and i don't think the team came out flat mm -hmm. this team came out to me trying to to put the pieces together still you think about Airbnb enemies offense they're still trying to adjust to his offense, even though they've gone through training camp. They were used to a Scott Turner. This is not Scott Turner. This is a whole new offensive coordinator that knows how to put schemes together. Now, I think he played it a little. I, I felt like his play calling was a little conservative. I thought and so, too. It may have been because of Sam, Sam Howell. But, but many people are saying that that hit that Sam took in the first quarter which I thought he came had a concussion. I thought he wasn't mm -hmm. even up. He looked a little woozy. So so maybe EB was dialing it back a little bit after that. And that's at the beginning of the game. He was dialing it back because of Sam and 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 not so much of what he wanted to do because during uh preseason, he was going downfield. He was you you saw him attack more mm -hmm. and everything. You didn't see that so much in this game. It was a little more conservative. The running game didn't get going. Uh, you look at the offensive line as far as uh, pass blocking and also run blocking, it wasn't absolutely that good. So mm -hmm. I don't think it was that the team came out flat. It was just that they're still adjusting to uh, putting together what EB is, EB is trying to instill in this offense as far as operating them. And, you know, going into the Denver game, you've got some injuries as far as Curtis 
uh, Samuels, he's got a hip issue mm-hmm. right now. So not for sure if he's 100%. So like I said, I think everybody is looking at it the kind of like wrong because I didn't see this team looking past the Cardinals. I've just seen them. I mean, I, I, I thought they were going to come out looking sort of like this because I've been out at practice, mm-hmm. training camp, and they're still putting the pieces together as far as adjusting especially in the running game. I think Antonio Gibson has picked it up because of his style more so. Just can't put it on the carpet. But Mm -hmm. I think Brian Robinson is still trying to adjust because EB has him rolling out more so. so, And he's got the the running backs being more, uh, uh, you know, catching the ball out of the Mm -hmm. backfield as receivers more so. So that's not Brian Robinson's style. Not to say that he can't pick it up, but he's just doesn't look comfortable yet, yet at this stage of the, the season in the first game. Oh, you sound like me. Sound like me from last week. You really do. But I feel like the Cardinals came out with amazing energy. That's that that's what I was comparing it to. Go ahead, Willie. My bad. No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Came go out ahead. because they knew that, you know, they they looking for a quarterback. They got, you know, the the they've got the Eagles uh uh former defensive coordinator, Gannon. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they 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 probably have a lot to prove because all week long, not from the players, they didn't hear this. All week long, they heard the the fans and everybody saying like that like this me. Cardinals was this Cardinals <laughs> team was at the bottom of the barrel this season. They were going to tank. Uh, the the media was talking about that, and the, you know how uh, players listen and all that. They probably said, "Okay, we're going to show you all that who's at the bottom of the barrel." Because it's not us, because they came out scrapping. You know, it's not that they looked that great on offense. <laughs> they were trash on offense. They were trash on offense. That's what exactly. makes it so bad. That's what makes it bad. <laughs> they was trash. They were trash. The cars are trash on offense. They were well. The bad. defense. The defense pushed them around, as you said, like they were trash. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But they should have though. <laughs> My issue is like the defense. Like it's wild because like everybody, everybody's complimenting the defense, and they did play good. Like they won the game for the team. But I would also, on the flip side, I would also make the argument is uh, I would make this argument is that to to a point where I think they should be more dominant, like even more dominant, because you got a quarterback who's basically coming off the street. He got to know his teammates. He got he has to Wally, get to know his teammates. Wally, how like, many points did the Cardinals score? How many points did the Cardinals score? They should have scored nothing. That's what that's, that's the thing. They should have scored. I'm so mad. Hey, but, they, but look at this, Wally. They yeah. scored not by the defense. No, they yeah. scored because uh, the, one was on Sam. So yeah, that one was on Sam. Was but they had like Sam. a field goal. They had like a field. Like, I don't think they should have gotten a they shouldn't even got to their own territory on their own merit. Like they got to their like to me. I watched that game. I'm like, dude, you know they, they could barely throw the ball for real. Like this running back, like why is this dude even running the ball? Why is he even finding lane? Like he shouldn't even be, he shouldn't even find a running lane. Like Connor is getting like getting bulk yardage annoyed me because he's like it's not like the defense is perfect because the linebacker position to me that's the area that they have to get better uh-huh. uh in as far as that linebacker. But I think when you look at this defense, they did dominate. I mean, when they had to, when they had to, Wally. They had to when they, they had, had to. to. How about doing it early? So no voice. So well, people like me don't sweat. Guess what? They didn't. They didn't allow them to score early, right? A field goal. Right. I'd rather have a field goal. I, I, I'd rather have. I, I wanted to pick sixes, Donna. They dropped interceptions. I wanted everything, Donna. I wanted. I wanted what Dallas did to to Daniel Jones. That's what I wanted. I wanted well, to the beat Cardinals, them to submission. The Cardinals are not Daniel Jones. That I don't know what happened. You don't get me started on that game because I was like, 
that that look daniel jones thought that somebody has dug the grave and put him in it because the you know as many as times as he was on that carpet and everything i mean dallas just i i, I don't i i tell people i don't know if dallas played that great or the giants just played that bad because the giants couldn't get the running game going i mean the passing game going it was like almost like that they were a, a team that wasn't even on the field Hey, folks who were listening to the show, if y'all think that the, the commands look past the uh, Cardinals, just send us a comment. You know what I mean? I'm nah, it was, the, it was the fans. Donna's right. That's why I told I told Wole that every time we got a chance to talk about that game, I said, y'all looking past the Cardinals. Oh, yeah. They, they what did I say, though? But they didn't agree with you? They are absolutely you. doing nothing. Well, I'm glad look, this is recorded. I'm but, I agree, with, I, but I agree with you, though. I, you know what I said? I said that I'm looking past them, but they better not. I said that. That's why I told you. I'm looking past the card. Wally, I, I don't own know. that. Like, I, I own that. I and Greg, I don't even know why Wally was looking past it because we are. This is the NFL, and every given uh, Sunday, a team can be. Uh, you know what this fan said? He said, "Hey, we won a game that we should have won by a lot, but yeah. then we're going to lose some games that we should have won." So again. I don't know why you thought that this was going to be a dominant game that the Washington Commanders just walked in the park and walked out the park because they are still adjusting because we don't know what kind of team they're going to be as a whole. They're still, to me, putting the pieces together. All right, so, so, so Donna, go ahead. Go ahead. You know, go ahead. Are we talking about Sam Howe now? Because, Donna, you say he didn't play well, but I feel like as much as the defense should be credited for the victory, Sam Howell, the way he bounced back from that hit, he bounced back from some bad plays. He threw a tough touchdown pass going, I guess, to his left and threw it back to his right. He also ran for a critical first down. He knows how to extend plays. Um, the only throw I didn't like, I mentioned this on a post games when he missed Terry kind of high. Other than that, I felt like for a young guy in his only second career start, I felt like he played pretty well. What were your thoughts about how the young boy played? Hey, hey, hey Ray, I know you're trying to you, you, you're trying to uh, to to give him uh, as much some flowers uh, support as uh, <laughs> he possibly can, and I agree with you to some points of what you said because I think everybody has to realize that this is Sam's second game as a pro, mm -hmm. and and he's still adjusting to the situation. But but the thing about it is, is that when you look at I, I look at the total picture and everything. And if you're looking at how he played now, he did bounce back. And and I like what uh, Eric B. Enemy said about Sam is he's a guy that can make a, a mistake, but then he can learn and adjust right away mm -hmm. in cleaning up that mistake. And that's what you're talking about that you saw probably in the fourth quarter. But when you look at his play overall, he did not get rid of the ball. That's something uh, that they were trying to, to work with him during training camps and during the preseason is that because of the offensive line, he's got to learn how to get rid of the ball faster because if the offensive line is collapsing, then that quarterback has to be able to look through his progressions. And sometimes he didn't look at his progressions long enough. If he had looked at them just a little bit longer, he would have made some of the mistakes and that's learning. I mean, as he goes along, but that's some of the areas that I'm talking about that he did not play well in. And when he got hit out of bounds, which could have been his career for this season with cut concussions, he should have gotten rid of that ball quicker because he wouldn't have even been hit. And then in other situations, when he held onto the ball, he was sacked. And, and also he just got to, when he's moving, he's got to secure the ball. 
So when if you're looking at the overall picture of Sam, yes, he did some good things, but he's got to be better. I mean, this is, it has to be accelerated uh, learning because they've got some tough teams coming up that they've got to face. So I'm not saying that he's not going to be a good quarterback because I like Sam. I like how, you know, his, he's even keel. Uh, I, I mean, I like how he can adjust on the, on the fly and that he doesn't let his mistakes, uh, you know, uh, uh, weigh on him throughout the, the game. So he did do some good things, but overall, he did not play well, and this offense didn't play well. Remember I told you, don't try to sprinkle the little sugar on it uh, because it's none to sprinkle on. <laughs> All right, so, Donna, you mentioned the Broncos. The commanders at the Broncos next. What are your keys to a victory against the Broncos? Now, you know, Sean Payton is back as, uh, back as a head coach. Uh, he was out for a year in the booth. And so, you know, he came in already talking uh, stuff, you know, as far as um, with that team. I told somebody he hit the, the ground in Denver and already uh, basically telling um, Russell Wilson, look, uh, we're not going to treat you like a prima donna, which he shouldn't be because he didn't play like a prima donna last year. By far, it was Russell Wilson's worst game, I mean, worst year as a, 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 a quarterback. Yeah. But Sean Payton had him playing better in that first game, even though they lost by one point to the Raiders. Uh, Russell Wilson did look better uh, than uh, he did last year. And then, you know, overall, this team, when you look at where the commanders stand at offense and where Denver stands at offense as far as pass and rushing, they're basically even uh, – uh, the Commanders is 18th, and, and Denver is 17th as far as uh, offense. And this is almost like the same identity as far as the passing game. Defensively, the Commanders are rated higher because they're fourth going in, and Denver is 11th. So you look at the – I mean, it's always dangerous to go up to Denver because you've got to deal with the elements, uh, you know, the, uh, the altitude. altitude. The altitude. So you got to be concerned a little bit like that. But I just think that the Commanders – uh, they'll be facing a better quarterback because we know Russell Wilson, when he was with Seattle, he caused Washington all kinds of problems, but both teams are totally different. Uh, Denver, Denver, had, Denver is good in some areas, so it's not going to be an easy task for them to go up there. Their defense, like I said, is ranked 11th, and so they're going to get after command, commanders because it's funny, Sean Payton in that first game, from the first play, he came out with, you know, with an onside kick. Mm. I was like, who does that to start the game and everything? A Sean Payton, Sean of course. So you, got, so you got a, <laughs> so you got a, a coach that you know what, what you got in Sean Payton, uh, a veteran a coach that, that wants to win. They're mad that they lost by one point. So, again, the commanders – have to be able to run that ball. They've got to be able to block for Sam because as uh, uh, Andrew Wiley, who did not play well last week, and Cosme, all of them said to me after that game is, we did not do our job and we have to uh, keep our quarterback off the carpet. And I think going into the game, that is the thing that, they, that I'm looking at that they've got to do better is that they cannot afford to have Sam on the carpet as much as he was in the first week, which six sacks. All right. So Donna, give us your game prediction score. I'm still, 
I still think I still think the commanders get this as much as everybody says uh, about Denver uh, and everything. I think uh, the commanders are better. I think you're going to see a better effort as far as uh, Eric B. Enemy being able to open up that offense even more because the the great thing about this is they've got time. They you know they went back look at the film and all that. I still think it's going to be a close game. Uh, and it's going to come down again to that defense. We know that the defense has to play great for this team to really move forward. The defense is going to be the one that sets the tone. They dropped a, a few balls that they should have had in his hand, their hands. And we didn't even mention Emmanuel, Samuel, uh, Emmanuel Forbes, who played, oh. Forbes, who played well in that secondary all. I was talking to Derek Forrest, and he was saying that it was so loud during that commander's game that they couldn't even hear the signals or even signal that and and the fact that they are gelling and and they've been playing together for two years makes them a really good secondary so to me it's going to come down again offensive line and mm. sam on that side and i still think that the commanders at least win this game by 10 points I'm just gonna say ten points. Oh, that's better. That was better oh, last week. Better. I know, right? Right there. Yeah, um, I know. I, I about to I say after after you couldn't after you couldn't do nothing with Dobbs. All right, so real quick. First Dobbs game of the season. <laughs> hey, Wally, no. Right, First no, game right, of the though. season. Right, when though. you look across the league, who really played good? It was some true. terrible true. ball. No, true. Uh, true. Look, look at Joe Barrels. Ask him eighty yeah, some yards. That's true. That's true. Uh, yeah, Kirk Cousins in Minnesota. They lost to like Tampa. That's yeah, but true. I just think the That's first true. for the first week it was some sloppy play. Look at Kansas City losing also. But when you look across the NFL and uh, overall, it wasn't just the Commanders That's who true. barely won. Commanders. Some it was it was some bad play. So that's reason I said you're going to see better play as we move forward across the league. True. No, I'm with you, Donna. I, you, it wasn't just the Commanders. You know, what I'm saying? hey Wally, you're the one. You're the you're you're the one who's got your hopes. Oh, I am. I'm the one. I'm that person. Donna, I am that person. Donna, I am that person. I you probably got you. the commanders winning this week by 30 points. <laughs> no, not anymore. No, after not after struggling against Arizona, who's trying to tank? No, I'm um, not. <laughs> you, you lose, you lose confidence. Donna, you're nicer than me. I had Donna, I don't even like this to, to me. This game up in the air. I'm like, no, Donna. It's like here's why here's three. why they win this week. Here's why they win if they win. Is because they're not going to turn the ball over like they did against Arizona. I can promise you that. And unfortunately, as much as I like AG, he's probably not going to see as much playing time because <laughs> as soon as he as soon as he put that ball on the ground, you didn't see him again. You didn't and see him until the fourth quarter. The fourth quarter, yeah. What that me. says to me is Coach Rivera is sending a clear message that we're not going to be a turnover football team this year. We're going to be a team that controls the the, the clock and we manage the game. We help our young quarterback out if they protect. I see him winning too, Don. I really do. Yeah, it was mistakes that killed them on uh, last week against yeah. the Cardinals. If you, you take away those uh, two turnovers, because those two areas were AG, they were in a scoring position, either a field goal or a touchdown. They came up with zero. And then the Sam one, you know, the fumble, they came up with seven. So if you take those away, Wally, it becomes an easier win. That's all I'm saying, Wally. That's all I'm saying. That sounds good. That sounds good, Donna. That sounds right. Hey, Donna, real quick before I let you go, I do want to ask you one question. Do you think – I know, I, I mean, I trashed, like, Sunday's performance, but do you think Sunday's performance is, is was good enough to keep the fans coming to games? Oh, definitely. They already right. said uh, – a scoop of mine said that the game, a next home game is almost a sellout right now. Wow. Wow. 
That's dope. That is dope. Well, well, well they like that, they they like where this, but but people gotta remember, give this uh, this new uh ownership time enough to put all the pieces together. They're still uh, piecing it together. Uh, Look at the Jets. They're looking for a, a, a quarterback, <laughs> and the funny thing about it is they wanted yeah. to to trade for Joe uh, uh, Jacoby. Jacoby. I'm here. Why it, would yeah. I give up him? Because if Sam goes down, and it was close for that happening. Yeah, exactly. I, and I agree. He would have had to step in, so they would be crazy if they even dealt him. Because look how desperate they are to get him. Being that it's other quarterbacks out there, the Carson Wentz and all of those are out there, but did they want them? They tried to come for Washington's backup. <laughs> I don't think they want no Carson. Hey, Donna, before we let you go, man, how could how could our listeners catch your so, your content on social media? <laughs> and also, <laughs> how could they catch you on pot? How could they catch you on pot? <laughs> <laughs> X, it's called X now. It's X yeah. now, man. It's X now. How can, yeah. how can they check your podcast out on YouTube and stuff? Yeah, YouTube in the minute. They can go and click on that and catch us. YouTube channel, Tony McGee's Pro Football Plus. Wednesdays and Fridays at 10.30 p.m. Sunday, Saturday morning at 9 a.m. starting this week. And then they can catch me on Instagram, Donna uh, J. Hopkins 32. Uh, uh, what's that? I mean, X, X at X, Donna Hopkins underscore. X, X the spot. Uh, yeah, Donna Hopkins <laughs> underscore. So look, I was like, what is it now? I don't even know. So, hey, and Donna, Facebook, just Donna Hopkins. Hey, Donna, thanks for being on. We know we appreciate you. And oh, no, no, Donna, no, also tell them what time the show, what time the show airs. I did. Yeah, yeah. Wednesdays and Fridays at 10.30 p.m. Okay. Saturday morning at 9 a.m. Hey, 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 Ray, see, he's still worried about last week's game that he no you know, yeah man nah, he's going through a lot man he's going through a lot right now you got i got like knees you know i got like you know what's had surgery hey hey, hey hey wally i want you to stay off that basketball court you got old <laughs> legs <laughs> look everybody getting on me don i love you man you have, have a blessed one all right see y'all later <laughs> all right. oh man that's, the, that's Donna Hopkins, man. Donna awesome. is always dope. She but see, Donna, awesome, Donna is saying everything that I was saying last week about mm -hmm. the fans overlooking the Cardinals. You remember our, our, our same discussion? That. Yeah, but the that. only thing I didn't agree with, like I said, was I feel like for Sam playing his second game, I mean, he made some big mistakes, but he bounced back from it. That's what you mm -hmm. want, a young quarterback. Versus you saw a guy like Bryce Young, top overall pick, he sort of struggled in the second half because he made some mistakes and it rattled him. And yeah. he realizes on another level, it's, it's difficult for young quarterbacks in the league. We know that anyway. And I think you got a mentally tough dude in Mr. Sam Howell. And then you posted that stat on X. I'm going to keep saying it about how Sam Howell looked like the best quarterback in the NFC East after week one. Oh, you yeah. You, 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 I, I want to show it to you because you, as, as the argument you made, you know what I'm saying? I That's said by the end why. of the year, I think he's going to be in discussion. Yeah, I'm saying like I'm to a point where you were saying like, when you yeah. said that game, you know, you were saying you're talking about that game. You said that's good, but you know what I'm saying? Like, you can see Sam Howell having better stats than that. Oh, 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 no, so I'm no just saying, I'm just showing that. I was showing you that because what you what you told me, that's a – No it's part question, of your argument. my dude. It's part of your argument. That, absolutely. But I, I'm glad you did because, again, if he plays so bad, according to some people, and, and we throw around these crazy words, yeah. but look, look at where he ended up in comparison to the other three. True, true. Uh, the commander season – well, anyway, we're talking about the commander season basically just started. They want to know – you know what I'm saying? So it's all it's all dope. But the Mystics postseason is just beginning. Let, real quick, let's introduce our guests. All righty. Right now, we let's introduce our guests. Right now, we have New York Liberty beat reporter for the next and freelance women's basketball reporter, Jackie Powell on the pod. What's up, Jackie? And welcome to the Urban Sports Team. 
Hello, hello. Thank you for having me. I, I can't wait to get into this. This is awesome. Glad to have you on. But Jackie, before we get What's into it, like, before we talk about the playoffs and whatnot, can you tell our listeners about The Next? Oh, absolutely. Uh, mm-hmm. TheNexthoops.com. We are an independent newsroom that only covers women's basketball. And oh. so throughout the sport's entire history, it's been dealing with um, – a lack of uh, competent all the time coverage. And so our mission is to make sure that every single team in the WNBA gets covered. Every single women's basketball college cover college conference gets covered. Euroleague women's teams get covered. High school teams get covered. We try to cover as much women's basketball as we can. Oh, that's awesome. So who is your all time favorite women's basketball player? Oh my gosh. I put you on the spot. I'm sorry. I just thought about it. I was like, you know what? Let me just ask this question. (laughs) That one I was not ready for (laughs) at all. Um, It could be current. You don't have to go far. You can be as current. You you can be as current if you want. Mm -hmm. It could be current. I mean, I got to think about who I have a lot of respect for. I mean, it's tough because I have to be impartial course, as, yeah, as a journalist and reporter, yeah. which is why I'm very tempted to, to go with someone who I haven't covered. Okay. And I think. Hmm. What about somebody you haven't covered? That's fine. That's that's cool too. Someone you haven't covered. Yeah, yeah. Which is why I'm I'm uh-huh. thinking uh-huh. a little bit historically here, or or I don't know. Um, this is I man, you guys. Really <laughs> So, I mean, I, I think I have a lot of respect for Tamika Catchings. I don't yeah, know Tamika if she's my awesome. favorite, but I think there is just no denying her greatness. True. I mean, I have so much respect for two-way players. I think what they do is so hard, and you have to not only just have boundless energy, but you have to be you know, mentally committed to it. You have to have a certain... I guess, athleticism. And so Tamika Catchings, she, I mean, people talk about who the GOAT is or whatnot. I mean, I know Diana Taurasi has scored the most points ever, but Tamika Catchings was just excellent on both ends. And there are not a lot of people in the history of the WNBA who are like Tamika Catchings. So I like that one. I like that one. Ah, oh, that question really stumped you. Listen, welcome to the show. It's a good thing that you know how we how we roll now. So next time you come on, because you're going to come on in the future, now you can be prepared for the tough questions. But I want to ask you this, because it's been a historic season in the WNBA. And according to the media, two teams matter, the Aces and the Liberty. Everybody else is shooting for third place. But Connecticut is my sleeper because they've been on the cusp of winning. How excited are you about the playoffs just based on the historic nature, the amount of wins that the Liberty racked up, which I'm, mm-hmm. I know you're familiar with, and also the Aces. That was crazy. They were like the 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 Bulls, and I don't know what year that was. Well, they were the Bulls only lost, what? 72 and, 72 and 10? I forgot that year. No, I don't know yeah. what year. I want to say I mean, 96, well, I 97. The Warriors. The Warriors were 73 and 9, but that was yeah. how the Aces were this year. And then you got the – like I said, the Liberty right behind them. So are you excited just with these two powerhouses and then everybody else? <laughs> I mean, I think what makes this exciting is the potential for it to raise the 
the coverage and the visibility of the WNBA. I, I think when you have something like this, that is what you are able to potentially see. And and it's frustrating for I guess the other the six other teams that are also in this postseason. But when there is a narrative and a framing like this that really has not existed in the league's history, I mean, there have been other rivalries, but there is just something, I guess, very monumentous about this because of who are on both of these teams and the personalities on these two teams, the... I guess the fact that we're really in this social media era where you have younger players that really created a a following in their platform before coming into the WNBA. So they're able to, I guess, be on an even bigger stage, if that makes sense. I mean, the the Minnesota Lynx and the LA Sparks had a rivalry in like the, the 2010s. And so that was quite important for the league because it sort of proved itself to ESPN that, hey, like people are watching this. These fan bases are getting excited about this. And so when you have another potentially huge rivalry, what that's going to do is that's just going to take the league to a whole other level, which the W needs. Absolutely. So we talk about Brianna, of course, she's a star and we, we know who she is. Sabrina's an up and coming star. John Quill, I mean, we saw her here in the DMV play against the Mystics in the finals a few years back. And I mean, she had the sun right there. So with all this star power that the Liberty have, what chance do you give the Mystics who split the regular season um, head to head matchup with the Liberty? So I think it's really interesting you say this because after the Mystics beat the Liberty on the final Sunday afternoon of the regular season, Natasha Cloud and Brittany Sykes were in post-game media and they were like, listen, like we really like this matchup against the Liberty. And I've been trying to think, well, what's the reason why? The Mystics are really built to defend a team like the Liberty and to be quite honest, the aces as well. And that's because their backcourt is, I don't know, one of the the best defensive backcourts I think this league has ever seen. When you are putting out Natasha Cloud, Brittany Sykes and Ariel Atkins, three players who have been on many all defensive teams, when you're putting those three out, you are able to make an offense less potent. Uh, and, the, and the Liberty are known to, it was really interesting. Uh, Chinea Gumake was talking on uh, WNBA countdown before the playoff games that are going to be on tonight. And she was like, the thing about the Liberty is they don't dribble the ball a lot and they, they pass it very quickly. They led the league in assist percentage. And so what the Mystics are brilliant at doing is they're really good at disrupting that because of the three guards that are able to make Sabrina Ionescu and Courtney Vandersloot and, and even Benajah Laney. I mean, they, they gave mm-hmm. her some trouble on Sunday when the Liberty are known to post her up against smaller guards and the Mystics were ready for it. So that's sort of what has made the Liberty a little bit less potent against the Mystics. It's because the Mystics have this trio 
of defensive guards that just get in your face and annoy you. Mm-hmm. So would you? So would you? So you? So would you? So would you say that like the key for the Mystics is more defense oriented? For, for for me, I'm thinking like to me, Deladon has to have an amazing series for them to even compete in this series. But I mean, I'm just I'm listening to you, and you're like, to, I'm listening to you, and it's like the key is to have be solid on defense and keep that trend going. Which which is more important, solid defensive effort or Deladon having an amazing uh, series? So I think you need a little bit of both. Gotcha. And this, this is not a cop-out. I actually <laughs> heard some of what Eric Tebow, head coach of the Washington Mystics, had to say this afternoon. And since the Mystics have had so many injuries, and, and I do want to say uh, Shakir Austin has been ruled out oh, yeah. both mm-hmm. Friday and Tuesday, which it's really disappointing, and that's really huge. I mean, if she was able to play, I th- I for sure would be saying that this thing was going to three games. Oh wow! Right. But she, but she is not, and I respect their process. Shakira Austin, her potential is, I mean, she's her her limits are really. She, I don't think she really has any, at least mm. when she's healthy. And so you want. With a young player and a prospect like that, you want to make sure that she has the best medical care and that things are, are fixed and not forced. So, but anyway, Eric Tebow was talking about how, with the amount of injuries the Mystics have had, it's been Natasha Cloud and Brittany Sykes that have carried a load. And so, what they're trying to do is figure out okay, those players have been playing really well, but we have Ariel Atkins and Elena Deladon back. And they have to get touches. Uh-huh. I think especially in that game on Sunday, Elena Deladon wasn't getting touches. I'm, I'm not saying necessarily getting shots. I'm saying when you get her touching the ball, the Liberty's defense is going to rotate because she is the most talented offensive player on that team. And when you get the Liberty's defense to rotate, the Mystics can then take advantage of that. Uh-huh. So, you have to you have to move the ball and and find Elena Deladon, find Ariel Atkins. You have to make the Liberty rotate and move instead of being able to double some of their their slashers in, in Cloud and and Sykes. So Eric Tebow was sort of saying that's what we need to be aware of, and that it's it's been difficult because these players are sort of right when both Elena Deladon and Atkins got injured was when the Mystics offense was actually really clicking. And uh-huh. so you take those two away and it's like one step forward and two steps back. And so they're trying to sort of figure out the chemistry again, which is really difficult. It's incredibly difficult what they are trying to do in this series. So you mentioned just now, if Shakira was playing for the Mystics, it goes three guaranteed. So give us your prediction, considering Shakira's out, and just your overall view on this series. So, God, it's really tough. <laughs> I, th- I mean, I think that this series is going to be a difficult one. I think uh. both teams are going to really come to play. And what I think is I think it goes a little bit similarly to how things went for the mystics last year. And what I mean by that is this, I think the Liberty went in in two, but I do not think there is a blowout whatsoever. I think these games are really tight. 
But the thing about the New York Liberty is they are excellent in clutch situations. Uh. Just excellent. And I think without, I mean, Elena Deladon is excellent in clutch situations as well. Uh But I think without Shakira Austin, there is such a, there is such a load defensively in the post that the Mystics are going to have to carry. I mean, when you talk about the matchup, there are two matchups of this series that I'm really looking at. Uh-huh. And that's going to be how the Mystics guard John Quell Jones. Will, will Myesha Hines-Allen get some help? Uh-huh. How, how will they deal with that? Because the Liberty are going to look to establish her and exploit that mismatch. So that's what I'm going to be looking for. Does John Quell Jones play on another level? And if she does, it's going to be really difficult for the Mystics to win. And then what I'm looking for is, on the other side, how do the Liberty guard Brittany Sykes? How does Benajah Laney do in a playoff series against Brittany Sykes? And how do the Mystics, I guess, adapt to whatever Benajah Laney and, and Brianna Stewart try to do because something the Liberty try to do is they, they have, or they do a lot of hedging and then they do a lot of scrambling. And so in there, and a lot of the time they're using Brianna Stewart and Benajah Laney together and they, Mm. they collapse um, and, and crowd players out. So the the mystics are going to have to sort of make quick decisions. And so I, I guess I'm saying this thing, Ends in two games, but it's it's a slug out. Like it mm. is the Liberty are not this is not going to be easy for them, and I think they know that. So that's my prediction. Okay. I can't <laughs> I I'm gonna lie to you. I know I can't wait to see. I mean Deladon. No, Deladon versus Bianca Stewart. Like we saw oh. that in the finals before. Like I just I think it's oh, a yeah. it's a great it's a great matchup. It really is. It really is. I can't wait to see it. Oh well, we appreciate you for being on before we let you go. Is there anything you'd like to add? Well, I I happen to to believe that this is going to be th- this is the series to watch. Uh-huh. This is the series that is going to deliver the most drama. Um, as you all said earlier, th- this series. I mean, both teams they were two and two against each other, uh-huh. and on Sunday there was a buzzer beater. Earlier in the season, there was an overtime matchup between uh-huh. these two. The Mystics really get up to play the New York Liberty. They just, they operate at another level against the Liberty. It might be because I've heard that the Mystics tried to acquire Jonquil Jones in, uh, in a trade, but she chose the Liberty instead. Uh, Maybe there's a, there's a little there's juice. A there's a thing there. <laughs> there's a little juice there, especially coming from some of their, their long-term pieces who maybe tried to recruit her to come. Maybe that's part of it. But the Mystics really like this matchup, and they're really, I mean, they're really motivated. I asked Liberty head coach Sandy Brondello, I said, why do you think – Natasha Cloud and Brittany Sykes were talking about how much they like this matchup. And they're like, well, or she was like, well, they, they're very motivated against us. And that's just, and also I think the mystics did not want to play the Dallas wings at all because the Dallas wings are 
the liberty of length, but the Dallas Wings have two players that are six seven and are just tall and strong and take up a lot of space. And so we're talking about how the Mystics are going to have some difficulty without Shakira Austin. The Dallas Wings, it would have been an even bigger issue. Mm. So all that I have left to say is that this is going to be a very fascinating and exciting series. It's going to be about who has the most heart, who is not complacent, and who has the most focus. Yeah, right. You're, you're right. We're gonna have her back on. We're definitely gonna have her back on. I like her. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So before we let you go, how can our how can our listeners catch you on social media and catch your oh. content as well? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, my handle is pretty much the same across all platforms. Okay. So I'm at classic J So C L A S S I C J P O W. So you can find me on Instagram. X, formerly known as Twitter. We, we struggle with that too. Oh, I know. <laughs> I'm classic J Powell as well. Um, LinkedIn, I think I'm Jacqueline Powell. That's how you can find me. But that that's that's a different vibe than yeah, other I know. <laughs> But um, yeah, that's where you can find me. And thank you both so much. This is a lot of fun. I uh, right. can't wait to chat more soon. Thank you, Jack. Right. Appreciate Thanks it. Thanks for well, coming on. We'll try to get you back on. All right. Again, All right, so yeah, there it you know, is. Jackie Powell, man. Yeah. The next. Check her out, man. The next. Check her out. Go ahead, Ray. Absolutely. Talk. Now, the NFL season's just starting, and we know Lamar Jackson came back for the Ravens. The Ravens are one and no, but they're not the only show in town because b has another successful football team, and that is the Morgan State Bears. And right now, we are joined by the voice of Morgan State, in his second appearance on the urban sports scene, Mr. Lamar Jeremy, glad Two to time. have you, brother. What's Two happening? Time. Two times. What's up, man? It's about time y'all got me back, man. My feelings was hurt. I was on about a year ago, man. I was talking to my people. My mom called me. She said, "Have they had you back on the show?" I said, "No, I haven't heard from my fellows. I don't know what it is. Oh, don't do I don't that know what me. I said. Maybe I hurt somebody's feelings or something. Oh, but I'm not. glad to be back, man." <laughs> What's up, hey, fellas? Listen, man. It's always we good have to be you with your people. Basis. We want to have you on a regular, man. It was good seeing you at the MEAC tournament. I'm glad we still friends after my, my, my University of Maryland Eastern Shore Hawks eliminated your Bears on back-to-back nights. The men and the women. <laughs> yeah, we were good that we were good that weekend, man. We were good. Well, our girls are real good. Man, I'm still, I'm try, yeah, still trying to get over the girls. <laughs> I'm still trying to get over the girls' laws. Ray knows this. I'm still trying to get over it. Yeah, Howard uh, bounced y'all out, man. That was yeah, a tough game. Yeah, game winner, man. <laughs> Yeah. Shout out to put it right in the heart. Man. Shout out to Coach Grace, man. Shout out to Coach Grace. Hey, you. <laughs> you, you know we got we got love for all our HBCUs do, and, and Morgan State football is looking so good this season. And sure. talking to Coach Damon Wilson at the MEAC uh, Football Media Day, he said, "In terms of Baltimore City, we want to be representing the city of Baltimore as Baltimore City's college football team, the premier right. program over all others. This week you're playing Towson. This can give you an opportunity to make a statement." He also said. In terms of just Baltimore in general, it should be Ravens one, Bears two. Your thoughts about Coach's bold statements? Oh, it, it goes beyond Baltimore, man. They're making mm. national statements. They opened up the season taking on nationally ranked uh, Richmond in Richmond for their first game uh, of the year, uh, a team uh, that Morgan hasn't been competitive with a few times that they played each other. Morgan really has not been competitive against ranked FCS opponents historically. 
and they went down to Richmond, simply outplayed them. They were just the more physical team, the more determined team, the team that didn't blink, the team that didn't make mistakes in crucial times. Usually it's the opposite uh, with Morgan football over the years. But they went down there with a purpose, and they just outplayed them and beat them in their own backyard. And that raised some eyebrows. And the question was, okay, maybe it's just a fluke, maybe it's just one game, stuff happens. Uh, What's going to happen when they have to play an FBS team? the following week. So mm. this past Saturday, they played FBS level uh, Akron. Uh, this is the fourth time they played Akron. And the three previous times, they lost 41 to nothing. Mm. They lost 66 to six. And they lost 41 to seven in the three previous. Mm-hmm. And this one, a minute, eight seconds left in the game. Morgan has the football and the lead. And I'm like, okay. We about to shake up the world, man. This is this is really gonna happen. Mm-hmm. And so in my head, I'm I'm semi-celebrating. You know, it's kind of like when your hawks look like they're gonna win. And so you're like, okay, we got this one. I I, I was in one of those, we got this one most. We got the rock, and there's 108 left on the clock, and we got the ball, we good. And um, I'm thinking, okay, let's go ahead and take some knees and let's get out of Richmond with the I mean out of Akron. With the dub, you know, that's what I'm saying. Um, we decided to be a little bit more aggressive. We wanted mm-hmm. to try to get that first down to really mm-hmm. just put it away, put it away. And so we didn't take a knee. And on third down, we ran a play, sweep outside. Uh, CJ Nunnerleader, defensive end, was one-on-one with our running back, J.J. Davis, hitting, stripped him. And then the linebacker, Brian McCoy, just the ball just bounced right to him. Uh, you know, the mm. football can bounce all kind of ways, yeah. but it bounced right to him and unencumbered right into the end zone. Uh, and that, that won the game uh, for Akron, man, and, and mm. took my heart out. It's, it's, it's like when you think you have money in the bank, man, and then you check your account and ain't nothing there. <laughs> it's a, it's a <laughs> so, um, it it, it, it would have been so sweet for this program to beat an FBS level school for the first time, just competing with them, but Uh to beat them, especially coming off the Richmond win. But what it showed me is that this team is for real. Mm -hmm. Akron had eight yards rushing for the game. Eight, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. That's it. That's what they had for the whole game Uh rushing to hold an FBS level team to eight rushing yards. Morgan is, given up over two games, 40 yards on the ground, uh, rushing the football. They have 11 sacks. They have five uh, interceptions. The defense has just been smothering uh, these first two games, and I really don't think they played their best defense yet. Just abundantly talented on all three levels, D-line, linebackers, secondary. Um, Offense is a work in progress, to be honest with you guys. There's some things uh, that they really got to tweak offensively they haven't really settled on a quarterback uh just yet uh we we had a coach's show earlier this evening i do it on wednesday nights Uh with coach wilson and offered an observation that morgan really doesn't have a starting quarterback in the traditional sense that Uh you just have a guy that's the guy who starts instead morgan has a collection of three guys who depending upon Uh their skill set the opposition the game situation 
could be at the helm at any given point in time, and nobody's just taking the job. If they mm. can get a quarterback, they got other skilled position players, they got a nice cadre of receivers, and they have a, a nice core of running backs. Uh, they find that guy that pulls the trigger to go with the defense that to me is just straight up legit. Um, watch out, man. Watch out. And it hasn't taken long. He's uh -huh. only been on the job a little more than a year. Uh, he came in late in last year's cycle, uh -huh. uh, eight, ten weeks before the first game of last season is when he first set foot on campus. So a little bit more than a year, he's taken a program that has been struggling and has just been an oh-by-the-way uh, program that nobody really talked about when you talked about the hierarchy of HBCU football. Uh, when you have that conversation these days, there better be a Morgan in there somewhere. Yeah, there's mm. other folks making noise. Uh, but I, I think you do yourself a disfavor if you don't talk about the Bears. And credit to him, his coaching staff, and the buy-in from the players who I think despite the tough loss to Akron last Saturday, um, they're going to be ready uh, for Towson. This Saturday, local rivalry. Towson been spanking Morgan for years. Sometimes when you spank little brother, there comes that day when little brother throws a punch back. And Saturday could be that day where Morgan starts to assert themselves in the Morgan-Towson uh, rivalry. Towson on two, two tough games. Maryland, they played Monmouth uh, yeah, this past weekend, two losses. Mm -hmm. uh, Morgan with the one and one. Morgan's going to be at home. The building's going to be lit. You brothers are going to be in the house. Saturday night, there's a plan to be about it when they take on the Towson Tigers. I'm glad you mentioned you mentioned something about how Coach Wilson has turned things around really quick. Um, we all talk about Dion turning things around in, in in Colorado, but I don't think you know. To your point. You know, it's time to give Coach Wilson his flowers, right? Like he's done oh, the absolutely. same. He's done similar things over here. How has he done it in such a short time? Let me let me say. I think there's three things. Mm -hmm. One thing that's critical: he really wanted to be at Morgan. Mm -hmm. Really wanted to be at Morgan. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think he looks at Morgan as just a, a way station until I get the next check. He's mm -hmm. not at Morgan waiting for his phone to ring. He's at Morgan to win championships. And I say championships, plural. So I think wanting to be at Morgan is key. Secondly is his pedigree. Been there, done that. Mm -hmm. Knows how to build programs. Knows how to build championship programs. Knows how to build championship programs that has staying power. Not mm -hmm. just one and done. We have a good year and then we disappear. Uh, we're going to get to the top and we're going to hang around at the top for a minute. Um, knows uh, knows how to, to do that. And, and third, has thrown his arms around the entirety of the Morgan community, not just on campus. He wants Morgan's football team to be, like you guys introduced me, Baltimore's football team mm -hmm. like the Ravens are. Mm -hmm. uh, that's what his goal is. He wants that 15-year-old kid to wake up on a Saturday morning uh, who lives on the other side of town in West Baltimore and say, Hey dad, let's, let's go check out the bears today. 
Mm. Let's go. I know we're going to the Ravens on Sunday, but can we get over to Morgan? Their tickets are a little cheaper. Let's go see if we can check out the Bears today. <laughs> he wants it to, to for Baltimore to embrace this program. And he knows there's work to do on that front. He's still building the blocks of making the Morgan program what he wants it to be. But I really believe it is phenomenal what he's done in a relatively short period of time. Um, but he's he'll tell you he's only just begun. He has lots of more bricks to put in place, but the early evidence is abundant um, that the man knows what he's doing. His students, athletes have bought in. If you're anywhere in the DMV area and you don't have anything to do Saturday night, you may want to jump on the Morgan campus and check out what's going on with that Morgan football team. Uh, what he's doing is, is great work. I do want to jump back, though, to something obviously was a tough loss. So, you know, what you just mentioned about this coach, how do you see this team bouncing back, you know, in, in terms of after that tough loss? Yeah, that's a that's a great that's a great question, because it was an extremely tough loss. man. Mm-hmm. I still woke up at three o'clock this morning in a cold sweat. I'm still getting over it, man. That was a tough loss. <laughs> hey, man, I told you about the, the, about the, the, the Lady Hawks. I didn't told you. I'm still trying. I, it's been months and I'm still I hear you on it. that. I hear you. <laughs> but you have to understand, you know, I'm, I'm calling the game as it happened. Of course. Yeah, of course and I'm pitching myself. Wow, this is actually going to happen. We're about to mm-hmm. be the FBS. And I'm almost putting it in the win column. And then, man, to have it snatched away in the way it was, um, fumble, last play like that, uh, they scoop it and score it. Uh, I, I couldn't even call it right, man. I wasn't in my right mind. It was so- <laughs> I know that's right. I would be the same way. I would, I would be the same exact way. I get it. Make that thing happen, man. <laughs> um, uh, but to your question, though, what impact on the players? Yeah. Now can they flush it? And just focus on because Towson don't care about that. Yeah. They don't care nothing about what happened to you last week, how you lost. They ain't feeling sorry for you. They don't care. They don't have any wins. That's all they care about. They're trying to get their first win. So we have to, um, as a program, the players, the coaches, uh, forget about Akron. The fact of the matter is we can do nothing about Akron anymore. It's um, in the rearview mirror. Uh, and, and Coach Wilson said, he had the same philosophy after the big win over Richmond. Mm. It's a big win. Enjoy it for 24 hours. They did. Now you just got to flush that. That's over. Now yeah. it's about Akron. Mm. And he said it's the same philosophy, win or lose, that we got to flush what happened, despite the monumental disappointment. Uh, and in the show earlier tonight, he, he said throughout the week of practice, he knows that his players are now – concentrating on Towson. Towson is the mission. He got a rule that when we lose, no talking on the bus. Or in this case, it was the plane. Mm. And he says, the reason is simple. What do you got to talk about? We took the L. If y'all want to chat it up, then y'all got to start getting some wins. And then you can talk all you want to. So Mm. uh, 24 hours, flushed it. And now it's about the Towson Tigers, and you know, guys, what they say about defense. It travels. It, travels. it goes home, uh-huh. away. It's one part of the game that can be consistent. And the defense that they played through these first two games against quality, against quality mm-hmm. opponents, has been eye popping. Uh, 11 sacks through two games. That's sixth in the country. Four interceptions. 
uh, in the two games. Uh, mm. All Hawks in that secondary. Mm. That's first in the uh, in the MEAC uh, conference, mm. giving up 40 yards a game on the ground. Uh, fifth in the in the nation, in in that category. Total defense is twelfth uh, in the country. They've just been doing some things on defense against quality opponents uh, that make you wonder what's going to happen when they really get it in gear. Uh, mm-hmm. As a group, they'll, they'll tell you, oh, we still coalescing. We still putting uh, the pieces together on this thing. And that's an, uh, that, that's an attribute to, of course, the head coach, Wilson, and his, his coordinator on the defensive side, Antone Sewell. Uh, they've just done a tremendous job. And I think as that offense becomes more and more in sync, um, that's when we start using words like juggernaut. We, we, we ain't the juggernaut stage yet because uh, the complete team isn't there yet. But um, they're building towards that, and they've been very impressive in the first two games. I'm glad you said you're building towards that because that's my last question. Bo Lay and I were having a spirited debate before sure we started the show tonight sure about were. can Morgan compete with Central to win the MEAC and ultimately advance to the Celebration Bowl. And um, I would love for that. I mean, the MEAC needs this. Uh, as we saw in basketball last year, when you have multiple teams who are good, who can compete at a high level, it's just great for the conference. It's great for the growth of the conference, but also for the universities. So can this Morgan State team compete for a MEAC championship and ultimately win it in advance to a Celebration Bowl? A year ago, they played... North Carolina Central in dorm on a mm-hmm. Thursday night and got tattooed. Was not competitive. <laughs> they had completely blown out of the water. <laughs> and Morgan left North Carolina Central's campus knowing, you know what, we just played the champs. Um, and they went on, of course, to win not only the MEAC, uh, but the Celebration Bowl. Mm-hmm. And we've learned the level we have to be on if we are going to be in that same category uh, moving forward. Mm-hmm. The biggest irony is the way the schedule sets up this year in the MEAC. Morgan's first MEAC game, Central's first MEAC game against Morgan. Mm-hmm. They, right off the bat, Morgan's going to find out, okay, are we really all that or not? we we about to find out quick. Uh, it's going to be a Thursday night on Morgan's campus. Mm-hmm. First game of the MEAC for both Central and Morgan. Somebody's going to get their feelings hurt and. As you guys know, MEAC has so few teams, football yeah, players yeah. in particular. Mm-hmm. You lose a game, and yeah. you're in trouble. You're in trouble. Um, it's not, I'm yeah. not going to say it's lights out, but it's an uphill climb. Yeah. Once you take that L, and somebody's taking that L on Thursday night. Might be mm-hmm. the champs, Central. Might be Morgan. But that's going to make that game monumental. And then the other team that I think you got to look out for in the MEAC is Howard. They finished in a regular season tie with Central, Central yeah. last year. Central beat him decisively in the regular season. But we know. Howard finished with <laughs> only that one loss. Morgan plays Howard the last game mm. of the season. So first game, last game could be consequential for Morgan once the MEAC party begins. But I've been a politician. I didn't answer your question. Let me answer your question. Uh, can Morgan compete against Central? That's what y'all asked me. I danced yeah. all around it. Let me let me, let me go ahead <laughs> to that. Yeah. I, I think defensively, absolutely. I, I don't think there's any question about it, that Morgan's defense is going to be problems for anybody mm. to deal with. I don't care who you are. 
I don't care if you're Davius Richards, who is the best quarterback in the MEAC, but no quarterback likes being on their butt. And Morgan puts people on their behind on a regular. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the question is, again, that Morgan offense. I think right now Central is the more balanced team, mm-hmm. um, both on paper and in performance. Morgan has to be a better balanced team. What they bring on defense, they got to bring something similar on offense. They got to bring something similar on special teams. So can Morgan become more balanced? Um, I think that's the question. Uh, And if they can, I think the answer is yes. They can be competitive against the North Carolina Central. I do have one question before I let you go. Um, You mentioned we all all started this show talking about being the second best team in Baltimore. Obviously, you have this, this great pro team, this great organization in the Ravens right in your backyard. Do players come out there and show support to the young men? Uh, they do. Okay. Before Morgan hired Damon Wilson, mm-hmm. uh, they were entertaining the notion of hiring not only maybe Ray Lewis, but Ed Reed. Ray, of course, yeah. Um, Ed Reed did go on to Bethune for a few minutes. Mm-hmm. You guys, are, I'm sure, are aware of how that worked out. I like how you did that. Um, <laughs> Kudos. I, actually, in my view, I actually think Morgan made the right choice. I think so nothing too. Against Ray and nothing I think against so too. Ed Reed. Again, I think you got to hire a guy that really wants to be a Morgan. The focus mm-hmm. is Morgan. I'm rolling up my sleeve to make this Morgan thing happen and i think damon was the right guy in the right place but to your original question there is that raven morgan connection uh-huh. uh the ravens band um they practice it on game days they even use morgan's facility as their way station uh when they get ready uh to go downtown for the uh for the games uh, that they have at home on sundays so there is that rapport between the two. Mm-hmm. The Ravens have more or less held up their end. They've been consistently a competitive team. It's Morgan's turn mm-hmm. uh, to do that. And this may be the year that Morgan starts to make their mark. Well, I think Ray and I will agree they did make the right choice. And I just think that Coach Wilson is – everywhere he's went, everywhere he's went, he's turned things around. That's his resume. That's his, that's what he's done. And he's doing – it seems like he's doing the same thing in Morgan. Yeah, oh, no I'm question. saying kudos to Morgan. Kudos yeah, to Morgan for, for, for making that choice because it sounded as though Ed Reed wanted a certain level of control and Morgan said, nah. And that that's that's showing that you have faith and confidence in your university as a brand, that you don't need to bring in a big name, just let him overhaul it, as opposed to bringing a coach that knows how to do it the right way. I'm just saying that's my thing. I know, I know, bro. You've been you were preaching this thing but, the whole, through, through all this, HBCU maybe, platforms. Maybe you give us a myth buster, um, 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 Mr. Germany. I'm gonna call you. You know what I mean? Because you spit knowledge. I got I gotta show homage <laughs> to, to the OG. So I heard rumors that Damon wanted to be the coach before Tyrone Wheatley was hired, but of course Wheatley became the coach, and he mm. waited instead of taking another job because he wanted to be at Morgan State that much. Is that true? <laughs> yeah, he's he's actually pursued the Morgan job, to my knowledge, at least twice, mm. um, at mm. least, uh, that that uh, I'm aware of. Um, uh, th- for whatever reason, and I think it was uh, misguided reasons, uh, we decided to go in another direction. And Damon was patient. Um, he, mm. he just waited his turn waited his time and when another opportunity surfaced uh he jumped on it and and this time around we hired him i was actually surprised 
when he was hired last year because it was so late. Uh, I thought we were just going to go with an interim coach for last season, the 2022 season, Mm -hmm. and then get our long-term coach after that. But we got a new AD. That AD, she said, no, I want who I want, and I want who I want now. Mm -hmm. And in retrospect, I think it was a good decision. I actually was really surprised because I was like, eight weeks, we got to play a game. Mm. He's just bringing in, you know, but um, he did a lot in that small window uh, to put some things in place uh, to make us a team that you had to contend with last year. And now that he had the full year, the full cycle Mm -hmm. this year, um, he brought in some ballers. And I looked at the depth chart, people who are playing second string. We got like all MEAC people who are Mm. second string. That would be starters elsewhere. Um, in one mm. year, he's really done a phenomenal job of upgrading the talent. Players are buying in. Uh, the foundation is a little bit more ahead of the curve defensively. Uh, I'll admit that. Uh, but I, I, I truly believe the offense is coming. And when it does, y'all better watch out. So you, there you go. Like I, said, I told Ray, like I told Ray, that I think they have a chance to compete with Central. But I, that's, I told that's what I told Ray. So I, I, agree I think you have a chance. I just, I just, you know, I felt, I felt like you were coming from a certain place because you have your bias. <laughs> in terms of coach, like, okay, and, and we know Coach Wilson. I like Coach Wilson. I, show multiple times. Yeah, I like so Coach you, Wilson. You, you kind of favor him, and my man Trey Oliver. He's a bit of a talker, so he's getting, he's getting on you. Getting on oh, he got swag. Coach, coach got swag, especially now oh, they yeah. just beat A and T last weekend. You can't tell him uh, at A and T. So, yes, you know, they like, we the champs, y'all. Until somebody come and get it from us, we the champs. Now, they may get humbled this weekend. They play UCLA out in L.A. Uh, this weekend. That might be tough. Uh, we'll see. I think they actually may give them a game. But yeah, I've yeah. already got it yeah. circled on my calendar. Morgan <laughs> against Central Thursday night, October 17th. And the B-more, baby. All right. Maybe we got look, – look, okay, that's another guest appearance. That's all I'm saying. Another guest appearance. There you go. There you go. Hey, great having you, man. It's, 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 this has been a pleasure. Is that before we let oh, you go? Do, do you want to plug anything? Do you want to plug anything? Uh, let's see. Radio G across all social media platforms. That's Radio G E E. Uh, that's where you can find me. And if you can't make it to Baltimore, if you can't, punch us up six o'clock Saturday night. Pre-game show is at five forty-five. You can hear the broadcast on weaa.org, weaa.org. We bring it with some swag. The Bears and the Towson Tigers, Saturday night showdown. They call it the Battle of Baltimore. I told Coach earlier in the show, when it's the Battle of Baltimore, you're either going to be in first place or last place. That's it. Those are the only two options. So we're going to see if the Bears can be in first place after this is over in Baltimore. Love it. Well, thanks for being on. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Don't wait so long next time to ring my phone, brothers. All right, we won't. Ray, oh, yeah. I won't, man. Blame, blame, blame me. Hopefully Don't blame Ray. Blame me. Saturday. I'm going to try <laughs> to catch me. you on Saturday. I'm going to get an interview with you on Saturday in person. That'll work. Holler at me on Saturday, man. We're going to connect. All right, sounds good to me. Absolutely. All right. All right. Have a blessed one. Thank you again. We appreciate it. Definitely do. My pleasure. Y'all be good. All right. Take care. Peace. Peace. Oh, man. It's been a dope so... show we had in a while, man. I, I, I must say.
It's a good show. It's a great show because we're doing video. Right? We, we out here, dog. We out here in these streets. <laughs> hey, listen. I, I, I like, I like, I like the studio feel. I like being in front of the microphone. So I'm missing. I know that, you do. So, you know, yeah. I, I know we're gonna be able to do a, a multitude of things as we move. Oh, forward. you mean you like you like dope, being you know? in person? You like you mean like being a person doing it? Oh yeah, it was cool. Nah, that was not cool. necessarily that, but you know, just because we're gonna be around each other. This, right? this gives me pandemic vibes. This is where this. Oh, I got you. Yeah. Got, you know what I'm saying? So. I, I like being a person, but Saturday Morgan State. Morgan State is dope. Morgan, you yeah. know, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fan of HBCU football. I have That's no dog in the fight, HBCU. so I can, just, I can just enjoy it. You I should know, too. I love my HBCU. Let's go. <laughs> Stop hating, man. I hate. I actually, I actually like Coach Oliver. Don't keep the buck. I do like Coach Oliver. I feel like you're making me seem like I, I, don't, I just like. I like Coach Oliver. I think he's, I think he dope. You know what I'm saying? I do. I think it's swag. I'm just, I'm just biased when it comes to Coach Coach Wilson. Though that's all. I'm biased. That's all I said. I'm just biased. <laughs> I am. I'm biased. I own that, bro. I'm real. I'm biased as a mug. Coach Wilson, yeah. it's my guy too, brother. Yeah, man. You know what I'm saying? He dope, man. He real one. That's real talk. And <laughs> that's real. Let me start. We went over time again. I know, man. This has been a great show, man. Like, like Ray said, this has been one of the dopest shows. In a while, uh, but the energy just is just dope like that. That's what it is. That's you know what time is. We got momentum. But anyway, subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, not iTunes, Apple Podcasts, tune in, iHeartRadio, and Google Podcasts. Just search the Urban Sports Scene. Also follow us on Twitter. Oh, X, not even Twitter, X at Urban Sports Scene, IG at Urban Sports Scene, and like our Urban Sports Scene Facebook page. Make sure you subscribe to the Urban Sports Scene YouTube channel as well. Some of y'all who are watching it. Please click that red subscribe button, like this video, and um, check out the home of the urban sports scene, Amphire Media at amphiremedia.com. And this show can be found on the Podcast DC app. Download the Podcast DC app to hear all of the Amphire shows as well as other great content. Man, this has been a great show. I'm saying, hopefully, we get the homie Will T on this show. You know what I'm saying? We all three of us, we can have three boxes. Don't take that face, dude. Anyway, you've been listening to the Urban Sports Saint for I just get deuces. A mega. Did this out, big homie.